Good morning, everyone. I'm R. W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Today is the 7th of August, the 219th day of 2023, with 146 days ahead of us until 2024. Today we're anticipating the 8th week of summer, a little over a month to go before the autumnal equinox. I swim my laps today, slowly, slowly, writes Susan Brown in her poem, Romance. Reaching my arms out and over, my fleshly oars, the water silken on my skin, my body still able to be a body. Today, I'm on my way to the small town of Deal on the shore of the English Channel, which waits not as much for me as I wait for it to provide a swimmable environment, one with waves no greater than a foot high. In an American high school in Germany 55 years ago, two friends and I on the swim team hatched an idea to swim the English Channel since it wasn't too far away. But for teenagers, the logistics proved too much. Now more than half a century later, I'm going to give it a try, not knowing where my other two swim buddies might be. Elsewhere, back in Orono this past week, battles in our garden with the Japanese beetles waned somewhat, down to vanquishing only a half dozen per day. Otherwise, El Hardin, as we call it, appears contented and thriving in a mellow sort of way. Flowers and vegetables, bushes, birds, bees, and trees in relative symbiosis. Heavenward for the next two early mornings in the southeast sky, our last quarter moon will be keeping company with the planet Jupiter and the constellation Aries the Ram. Today, in 1420, construction began on the Florence Cathedral Dome, designed by Brunelleschi. Today, in 1573, after a year raiding Spanish galleons, Francis Drake's fleet returned to Plymouth, England. Today, in 1588, the English defeated the Spanish Armada. Today, in 1782, for the first time, military awards were presented to common soldiers when commander of the Continental Army, George Washington, created the Badge of Military Merit, which became the Purple Heart. Today, in 1789, the United States Congress created the Department of War and the United States Lighthouse Establishment. Today, in 1934, the U.S. Court of Appeals declared that James Joyce's novel Ulysses had redeeming value and should be made available as an uncensored publication. Today, in 1954, in Vancouver's Empire Games, England's Roger Bannister and Australia's John Landry became the first two men to run a sub-four-minute mile in the same race. Today, in 1964, the U.S. Congress approved the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, granting U.S. President Lyndon Johnson authority to bring the U.S. into the Vietnam conflict. Today in 1970, British keyboardist and singer-songwriter Christine McVie Perfect joined Fleetwood Mac. And today in 1990, the U.S. deployed troops to Saudi Arabia, beginning Operation Desert Shield. Today in 1942, in the Minneapolis suburb of Annika, Garrison Keeler was born to railway mail clerk John P. Keeler and Grace R. Denham Keeler and subsequently raised in a strict fundamentalist Scots sect called the Plymouth Brethren, 
who proscribed dancing, drinking, and card playing, but had a tradition of telling parables during their Sunday meetings. Also having a great uncle, Lou Powell, who was a gifted storyteller, young Garrison grew up with a love of stories, and though he was slow learning to read, once that hurdle was cleared, Garrison wanted to do nothing else. He recalls, I hid in closets and in the basement, locked myself in the bathroom, reading right up to the final moment when Mother pried the book from my fingers and shoved me outdoors into the land of living persons. Garrison's favorite reading material became The New Yorker, comparing its arrival in the mail to that of a glamorous luxury liner crammed with exotic people magically appearing in the middle of Minnesota. He also enjoyed listening to the music show The Grand Ole Opry and to the folksy radio announcer Cedric Adams on WCCO Radio delivering laid-back commentary. Deciding to become a writer and setting a goal to write for The New Yorker, Garrison attended the University of Minnesota, wrote for the student literary magazine, became an announcer on the student radio station, became married, parked cars to pay the bills, graduated in 1965, and headed east in an unsuccessful attempt to work for a literary magazine. By 1968, however, having returned to the University of Minnesota for a master's degree and resumed work at the student radio station, Garrison had also begun to work for Minnesota Public Radio, all the while continuing to write and send stories to The New Yorker, where, by 1969, he became a regular contributor. Within five years, an assigned piece on the Grand Old Opry led him to produce his own folksy variety show, A Prairie Home Companion, set in the mythical Minnesota town of Lake Wobegon, which went national in 1980. Garrison Keeler once remarked, Cats are intended to teach us that nothing, everything, that not everything in nature has a purpose. But other remarks, particularly in the 21st century's aughts and teens, landed him temporarily in hot water. So much so that the Boston Globe writer Jeff Jacoby would say Keeler was cranky and intolerant. Today is also the birthday in 1533 of my countryman, the Basque soldier and poet, Alonso de Arcilla y Zuniega. In 1726 of American revolutionary leader James Bowden. In 1876, of Dutch exotic dancer and German spy, Mata Hari. In 1884, of Glinda the Good Witch from The Wizard of Oz, Billy Burke. In 1903, of British paleoanthropologist, Louis Leakey. In 1904, of American diplomat and Nobel Prize winner, Ralph Bunch. In 1928, of American vocalist for The Platters, Herb Reed. In 1932, of barefoot world record runner Ethiopian Abebe Bakila. In 1940, of American actress Marilyn Mason. In 1942, of American singer B.J. Thomas. In 1944, of American legal figure Robert Muller. In 1960, of American actor David Duchovny and British rock singer from Bananarama, Jackie O'Sullivan. And in 1975, of South African actress Charlize Theron. 
Hi, this is R.W. Estella. Many listeners quickly learn that WERU is unique among radio stations locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. This station's volunteer base is immense, but so too are the expenses for the maintenance of the facilities, for necessary utilities, and for the myriad incidentals involved in bringing 24-7, 365 programming locally to the airwaves and worldwide via the Internet. When each of us helps, we have a sustainable station. Please do what you can to help maintain this vibrant radio station as an especially valuable resource locally and around the world. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Here's to the eighth official week of summer and to the 32nd week of 2023.